Hi, this is Pastor Curtis Crawford welcoming you to our podcast. At Revive Outreach Church, we're striving to revive an awareness of Christ in our communities through Christ-centered compassion, service, and evangelism. You can learn more about us online at www.reviveoc.org or on Facebook at facebook.com slash church. We hope that you enjoy this message, and God bless. If you'll stand for the reading of God's Word, we're going to open up and continue our series on the book of Philippians, Paul's letter to the Church of Philippi. We're going to be looking at chapter 2 and continuing on this morning, beginning with verse 5. So that would be Philippians chapter 2, and we'll be starting with verse 5 this morning. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. And therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name, which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You may be seated this morning. In order to fully understand where Paul is headed here, talking about Jesus and essentially what he did in his obedience with coming to earth and dying upon the cross, we first need to go back a little bit in chapter 2. If you recall the last time that we Uh, spoke on Philippians, Uh, we were ending with humility, talking about being humble. In fact, Paul says there uh, that we are to uh, let, uh, let each esteem others better than himself, that we are to not have ambition or conceit, but we are to be lowliness in mind. And that word, Greek word used, uh, that's translated lowliness, means like the utter bottom of the pit, right? That you're not worth anything. Because we as Christians need to humble ourselves and be and submit ourselves to God and understand that we are nothing without Him. That without Him, I don't know where I would be today in my life, right? Many of you probably have stories of you know, how God rescued you, how God saved you, how God delivered you from a life that was sure to be your destruction. And that without him, you may not even be sitting here today. I will tell you, in my life, if it was not for God, I would not be breathing today. I would not be. I would have taken my life long ago. So it is by God's grace and mercy that you and I are saved and have hope, right? And a hope and glory and a hope today. And that should bring, make us humble. Humble before God and humble before our others, brothers and sisters in Christ. Why? Because before God, we are all equal. It doesn't matter what our wealth or our social status is or our education or the color of our skin. None of that matters before God. We are, the Bible says here, that we are to esteem others better than ourselves. We are to serve others. Look out for the interests of others. We are to be humble and live our lives in humility. 
And so when Paul starts here with verse 5, he's saying, if you're questioning that, if you're getting a little irritated with me because I said you're lowly, like really, really low, that we're really, really low, and that you got to make sure that you're looking out for the needs of others instead of just you, that you need to esteem others better than you, right, as being uh, better than you, uh, I know that you're probably not happy about hearing those things. Because who likes to be told they have to be humble? What's the old song? Lord, oh Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. Right? Uh, we uh, don't like humility. Because humble is making, being hu uh, humble is making a conscious decision to esteem others. To consider others before ourselves. And by nature, humans are selfish and self-centered and looking out for ourselves, right? It's why uh, communism and socialism will never work in the world. It'll always fail because man is selfish and self-centered at heart and no one is going, uh, uh, you know, to uh, let their family go hungry uh, to make sure somebody else is hungry. In the vast, right, it'll never work. There'll never be equal wealth distribution, none of that, because man is selfish and self-centered. There will always be somebody in power who uh, is not following the rules. There will always be somebody who isn't going to equally distribute their wealth, which is why it'll never work. We're selfish. We don't want to be humble and serve others, right, by nature. And so it is uh, an act of our will and God's grace and mercy that we do humble ourselves. And so Paul is saying, you got the greatest example of humility in Jesus Christ. You want to see someone who humbled themselves to serve others? Well, Jesus is the perfect example. That's why he says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. He say, if you have any question about humility, see Jesus. Right? When you look up humility in the dictionary, see Jesus. Right? He is the ultimate definition and example of humility. Humbling oneself so that you serve them in spite of your own interest, despite your own desires, despite your own will for yourself. Christ is the ultimate example of humility. Why? Because it says in verse 6, who being in the form of God, the Greek word that Paul uses there that's translated form, means a constant, right? Always consistent, never changing. So what he's saying there is that Jesus was, is, and will always be God. 100% God. He is saying without a doubt that Jesus is God. No questions at. And that he didn't, wasn't born, he was begotten, right? He, he, he was not created, he's always existed as God. Which is why he said uh, with, to the Pharisees, before Abraham was, I am. Because long before the world, uh, was, when it was without form and void, Jesus was here. Yeah. Right? He is God. He's God the Son, like God the Father, and God the Holy Spirit within the Holy Trinity. He's God. A hundred percent God. You and I cannot relate to that, right? We cannot understand what it means to be God. And, and if, if we could, then it wouldn't be much to being God. We cannot understand that in our finite minds. We have 
ways to describe, right, that God is omnipotent, God is omniscient, God is omnipresent, he's all-powerful, he's all-knowing, he can be everywhere at once, right? Uh, so he knows the beginning from the end, the middle, he sees it all uh, lined out, right? Uh, he, we know those finite things, or those things, and even then we cannot have a, in our finite understanding, truly know what it means. So it's difficult for us to understand what Jesus willingly renounced. And it says that uh, being in the form of God or being God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. Now that word robbery came to mean the Greek word there meant to hold on to, to grab and not let go. Wanting something so badly that you are selfishly going to hold on to it. That's what it came to mean. Why does someone steal something? Because they want something so bad they got to have it. Right? Jesus Christ, it says, did not consider it robbery. What's he saying? He's saying he was not so held on to his status as God that he was not willing to renounce and come down to earth because of it. He was willing to give up the throne in heaven. He was willing to come down to earth and serve his creation. He was willing to renounce that, to come to earth, to be beaten, to be rejected, to be mocked for you and I. Man, that's humility. We don't even want to leave our five bedroom houses to feed the homeless on the street because they might get something on us. Right? We don't even want to take the extra five steps to shake somebody's hand and tell them we love them because they may have wronged us. Yet Jesus Christ came to earth and willingly put on human flesh. And when he put on human flesh, he was 100% God and 100% man. And because he was also 100% man, God experienced something that he never experienced before. Pain. Physical pain. God doesn't experience physical pain. He experienced physical pain. He was hungry. God doesn't get hungry. Jesus got hungry. Right? He had to sleep. He couldn't stay up all night long. He, he had to sleep like we do. He experienced childhood. Just like we did. He experienced this world and this earth as a part of his creation. And he had to live under the authority of a government and of a people who rejected him. He submitted himself willingly. He submitted himself willingly. He humbled himself. Why? Because he was willing to die for you and I. He was willing to give up certain rights and privileges as God, to come here to earth, to be born of a virgin, to take on human flesh, and to live among his creation. And it wasn't always puppies and rainbows. Right? It wasn't puppies and rainbows just because he was God. He suffered on this earth. He knew what it was to be hungry. He knew what it was to work hard. He knew what it was. His dad was a carpenter. I'm sure he and his brothers loaded wood and worked. And even after the, his father died, he had to help around the house and bring in income, right? And do things. 
He was a person just like you and I, and he had to make, let go of certain privileges so he could become flesh. He humbled himself. And, and, and Paul says here that he took on the form of a bondservant and then he held himself of no reputation. That word reputation, the Greek word, literally means to pour out. He poured out himself. He gave up certain rights and privileges in heaven so that he could be poured in to flesh. 100% God, but also 100% man, right? And so he took on the form of a bondservant. He willingly submitted. And that word bondservant, as Paul uses it in Romans and he uses it in other places, is it someone who willingly comes and submits themselves into service of others out of love and respect for that person. Jesus Christ came down and willingly submitted to serve us, right? The Bible says he came to serve, not to be served. He said that, not me. To serve us in obedience to the Father so that you and I could be saved. He willingly, and he came, and something that Jesus did not have before was that when he came to earth, he now submitted himself to the will of the Father to the point that he had to actually be in constant communion with the Father. He prayed to Father God while he was on this earth. He got along, alone with God the Father, prayed. Not only that, but Jesus didn't do anything without the direction of the Father, or without the guidance of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, led and guided him. Now, I don't know about you, but we're talking about God here willingly submitting himself and saying, I'm not going to act unless the Father tells me. And I'm also going to rely on the Holy Spirit to direct me. It's hard for you and I to understand, but the Bible clearly teaches that as a, a biblical truth. That is theology that is accurate. So he gave up those things. He poured himself out. He came in the form of a bondservant, and he coming in the likeness of men. He put on human flesh so that you and I could be saved. That is the ultimate humility. Because it, wasn't, it would have been hard enough to give up those rights and privileges as God. But then to also know that when you came, they weren't going to appreciate you. He gave up his life for people that would reject him, curse his name, spit in his face, pull out his beard and beat him. Right? He gave up his life for us. Coming in the likeness of man. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. So there's that word, humility or being humble. He willingly submitted himself to the authority to serve others when he didn't have to. He didn't have to. He could have at any time gotten himself off the cross or said, God, I've had enough. That's why the, the, his praying in the Garden of Gethsemane was so critical when he said, but nevertheless, you know, let this cup pass from me if it's possible. But if not, let your will be done. Because that means he could have made a choice to not do it. At any moment, he could have said it ain't worth it. And he was so worried about dying on the cross and what was coming in the beatings 
that he was sweating to the point of bleeding out of his pores. He was afraid, folks. He knew what was coming. He already knew every person that was going to punch him in the face, every person that was going to grab a handful of beard and pull it out. He knew the oh, he knew the name of the person that was going to beat him and his children's name and his wife's name and his family's name. He knew it all before he ever stepped in. He knew all of it. Yet he willingly went anyways. That is humility. Humility. How many of us would serve others if we knew that they were going to spit in our face? If you knew it in advance. Not many of us. Not many of us would sacrifice and serve folks that do not appreciate it. It takes someone who is truly humble and recognizes who they are in Christ and what Christ has done for them to humble themselves like Jesus did. Not only did he humble himself, take on human flesh, come to earth, but he was obedient to the point of death. God cannot die. He, he would never experience death as God. But he was willing to experience death and everything that goes along with that for you and I. Right? For you and I. He was thinking about not only all of those that he was dying for that minute, he was thinking about the thief hanging next to him that would call upon his name. He was thinking about all the generations of people that would be saved and call upon his name, that he would call, that he would uh, you know, have mercy on, that, that would be forgiven of their sins, and that they could not have, they had no hope without him. None. Without what he was about to do, man would still eternally be separated from God. The veil would still be in its place. Sacrifices would still be required. And most of us Gentiles would still be lost. We would be in big trouble. But he came and he died and he humbled himself. He became obedient to the point of death. And listen, he didn't just die regularly. He died in the most humiliating and painful way someone could be killed at that point in history. The cross was developed to cause maximum pain and torture and humiliation. That's why they were stripped down to nothing but a loincloth. They were stood up on a big mountain at the front of the city just outside the gates where you could see them and in their shame. And their crimes were tattooed above, uh, on a, uh, you know, on a, on, a, on a board and hung over top of them, all the awful things, why they were being crucified. It was to shame them, embarrass them in front of everybody for what they had done, and to torture them. It would have been more merciful to kill them outright, but they were not interested in showing mercy. And so Jesus Christ, he faced that Roman a punishment knowing what it was knowing what it was going to mean all of those things yet he still humbled himself and was obedient to the point of death even death upon the cross being humiliated by his creation being humiliated and and it's seen his humility is seen when pharaoh or not pharaohs because i saw moses yesterday when pilate uh, 
was talking to him and Jesus said, you can't do anything that my father does not allow. Even then he was humbling himself and saying, look, you need to know that God's making this happen. The father's making this happen, not you. And so he was humbling himself to the will of the father. He goes to the cross. He dies by the hand of the people who he came to save. The many of who the previous week had worshiped him and told him how great he was and sang praises to his name and waved big palm friends and called him, you know, Lord and Hosanna and son of David and all of these things. They were still there when he was crucified. The crowd turned against him in an instant. Because man is fickle. And they called for a murderer, a rebellious person to be released into their midst instead of freeing someone who was simply there to serve them and to love on them and had done nothing wrong to them. He gave up his life. Hard for me to imagine the fact that he knew everything he was going to experience, yet he humbled himself and went through it anyways. You and I cannot comprehend that. We cannot comprehend that type of humility, what that means. But you know, there are people around the world who do have that humility, who are suffering and losing their lives by serving Christ, humbling themselves to the point of death. We have not been asked at this time in history to do that. And so we're, we're light and we're fluffy and we're, you know, got it easy. And like I said, we won't humble ourselves to speak to our neighbor who hurt our feelings or humble ourselves to make peace with a family member who did us wrong or humble ourselves to make peace with the brother and sister in Christ who wronged us, even if we might be rejected. We're afraid of being rejected. We're angry. We want revenge. We want to get what we get, what we deserve. Don't they deserve to be punished? And that's not how it's supposed to work. We humble ourselves before God and his will. And we serve him and we serve others. If Christ could suffer like this, the one who was perfect and never did anything wrong. Never. My mom uh, was funny. I remember as a kid, believe it or not, I was not necessarily a well-behaved child. And uh, I uh, would have to, you know, get spanked every once in a while. Now, some folks don't believe in spanking, but my mama sure did. And uh, so I would do something. i get whooped. And I remember... One time uh, in particular, uh, I hadn't done anything wrong, but she had found me guilty. Now, I will tell you, nine times out of 10, I was 100% guilty. This one particular time, I was not guilty, but I got whooped anyways. And man, after I got some courage built up and the time had passed and the tears had dried because I'm a crier, uh, I said, Mama, I didn't do it. And, And she said, well, son, how many times... How many times did I not spank you and you deserved it, right? 
<laughs> so he's like, you know, well, yeah, you got a point there when I deserve to be punished and I got away with it. And so many times with our lives, we're so busy worrying about how someone else hurt us and we're not thinking about how we may have hurt somebody else. And so we won't humble ourselves to make peace or to serve someone who's hurt us, not remembering when we've hurt others. And maybe even they have the person that we hurt humbled themselves and served us. Right? We've got to humble ourselves even when we're facing rejection and they may throw it right back in our face. Now, because Jesus Christ humbled himself in this way, because he willingly gave up certain rights and privileges as God to come here on earth, to suffer and die upon the cross. Because of that, verse 9 says, Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. Now, uh, most folks get excited because, you know, the, the name Jesus is used here. And of course, that is a holy name and, you know, it's important. But the real name is Lord. Right? Uh, he, he came the first time as a sheep, a humble servant to serve. But when he was raised from the dead, uh, he was no longer a servant. He is a lion of the tribe of Judah. When he raised, God exalted him, and now he sits at the right hand of the Father at his rightful place in heaven on the throne, right? But because of that, because of what he did for us, not only is he serving in his role as God, but he also can intercede on our behalf with God the Father because he knows what we experience. The Bible teaches us that he is our mediator between God and man. That he intercedes on our behalf because he knows what you and I suffer daily. He knows the temptations. He knows the world. He knows all of these things because he did it. He went through it. He was tempted in every way that you and I are tempted. But the Bible says was yet without sin. So he was tempted with everything that you've been tempted with. And I've been tempted with. But he did not sin. But he knows what it is to walk a mile in your shoes. He knows what it is to hurt, to be sad, to be rejected, to have fear. He knows all of those things. All of it. And that puts him in a very special place to be able to be the mediator and the intercessor on our behalf. And he's exalted. God has exalted him. He's given him the name that is above every name, which is Lord. He is Lord. He is Lord. In the book of Revelation, it describes Jesus when he's coming back finally to set up his kingdom. And it describes him as being on a horse and a sword coming out of his mouth. He's going to be in such power and might and splendor that simply by the word will he strike down all of God's enemies. In fact, the Bible says that he's going to have legions of people with him, not one of them is armed. Not one of them will be armed. And the only thing that he's gonna be armed with is the power of his word. Because he came as a lamb, he returning the next time as a lion. He's coming the next time to set up himself as king 
and as Lord of everything. And so when he was exalted, he was exalted as King of kings and Lord of lords over everything to whom the kingdom rightfully belongs. In the book of Revelation, I believe it's chapter 4, a scroll is presented before the Father. And the people see the scroll and they say, who is worthy to open the scroll? And no one was found worthy to open the scroll. And there are many scholars who debate what that scroll is and what it's supposed to be, but most likely it is simply a representation of the title deed to earth. And that scroll has seals on it. And no one in heaven could be found worthy to open the scroll to take the title deed of earth, to become the king, the Lord of Lord, the king of kings. Until one is shown that looks like a lamb who was slain. That one was worthy to take the title deed and open it because he gave his life. He gave his life to the point of death and because of that, he was exalted and named King of Kings and Lord of Lords to never, ever, ever be, uh, you know, to have to suffer the indignity of his creation again, to be the last word on everything exalted so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth there's coming a time folks when every intelligent created being will bow before Christ we either do it now willingly and resulting in blessing or we will do it painfully and unwillingly and it will result in eternal punishment. That's the options. Because everyone will ultimately fall on their face before Christ and declare him God, Lord of, their, uh, Lord of everything. And it won't just be the folks who exist at that time, but it will also be those who have died and long gone and buried. And it will be everything in heaven that will bow down and worship him and declare who he is. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every tongue will confess, every nation, every person, past, present, future, will call him Lord. Everyone, willingly or unwillingly, they will bow down. And they will acknowledge him as Lord, the God of all creation, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, El Shaddai, mighty God. There'll be no questioning if he existed or questioning, did he really die? Did he really give his life? No no questioning of that anymore. Everyone will see with their own eyes, Jesus Christ and all of his glory. And they will bow. God was, the Father exalted Christ because he humbled himself, died upon the cross, and gave his life for our sin. That is absolutely 
amazing and an example that is very hard to live up to. But it should be a challenge to us the next time that we don't want to humble ourselves and serve others to say, my goodness, are they asking me to do something that Jesus didn't do? Right? We are to humble ourselves. We are to love even our enemies and serve our enemies. It's easy to serve and honor those who love you. It's awful hard those who despise you, reject you, and hate you. But we, are, we have a responsibility to love and serve even those who reject us, call us names, and want to destroy us. We don't condone their sin. That means we don't love them and their sin. It means we serve them, honor, right? Serve them. If they need a drink, you still give them a drink. If they need food, you give them food. And they're in prison, you visit them in prison. You visit them and meet their need at the point of their need. They may spit in your face, but that is what we are called to do. Not condone sin, but to love and serve. Right? I know, I don't know about you today, but I personally am humbled and challenged by this. Because it's one thing to talk about humility. It's another thing to live out humility. I'll end on a kind of funny story to try to lighten it up because everybody looks so sad this morning. Uh, there was a pastor that I sat under many years ago and he would talk about how humble he was all the time. I mean, all the time. He would say, I'm so humble. That's my greatest quality. I'm humble. I'm humble. I'm humble. Love to talk about humility and being humble till it comes time to be humble, to be served and humility, ah, to wash somebody else's feet, no matter how dirty they are. That's humility. And we are challenged as Christians to walk in that kind of humility. If we would, we'd see a lot more people turn into Christ and we'd see a lot healthier relationships within the church. It would not be so toxic to coin a word from our, uh, you know, today's lingo. If we would just humble ourselves and serve each other instead of being prideful and arrogant and refusing to acknowledge the needs or the hurts of others. Let us stand. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope that you enjoyed it and were blessed by it. Each month we have people from all over the world who listen to the messages made available. If you've been blessed by this ministry, would you consider making a donation of any amount to help support us as we continue to reach a loss for Christ? Donations can be made online at www.reviveoc.org or by check at Revive Outreach Church, 411 Chatham Heights Road, Suite 101, Fredericksburg, Virginia, 22405. Thank you for your prayers and your continued support. May God richly bless you.